Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's episode? I've got two tips for you today. So first of all, that 80% of your immune system is in your gut, and Kitty gives us some great tips on how to boost our immune system through some of the foods that we're eating. The other tip is our discussion about how fear can really impact your digestion and the possibility of getting cancer again. Today's guest is Kitty Martone, health educator, author, and host of the most amazing podcast called Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. And Kitty has such a great story. She was born too soon, and that set her on the path of trying to figure out what was going on with her body and how to really bridge the gap between traditional medicine moving into alternative medicine. Welcome to Why Did I Get Cancer? And I am so excited about today's guest, Kitty Martone. I've been a huge fan for a couple of years now. In fact, I binged all the way from where I live in Seattle down to San Diego last February. I probably listened to just about every episode. <laughs> and I just said to myself, oh my gosh, if we lived in the same town, we would be buds. Kitty is a wellness badass. And Kitty, welcome to Why Did I Get Cancer? Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I love that you binged listened. That's amazing. <laughs> I got this message once a friend said, you know, I, I put you on one speed higher and I listened to you and you sound like a chipmunk and it's amazing. It's like the best way to possibly listen to you. I was like, thanks. <laughs> I did that too, but then I had to go back to the regular speed because your content is so good that I have to take notes. But you talk about healthy gut and a healthy gut is so in the news these days. And I just would love to know, what was the motivation behind your podcast? Well, the podcast itself is called Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. And then my branding itself, the umbrella of what I do is called Healthy Gut Girl. The driver behind, I guess, Healthy Gut Girl really was just all about my health, just suffering my whole life from birth until, you know, quite recently. And even now, you know, I think just being a human, you always just have to have this awareness of the fact that you can fall ill and you're going to get imbalances no matter how healthy you get. And so, it, but what I learned was that it all really centralizes down to the gut. It really comes down to the gut. And uh, so I thought, what a great name for the whole branding. And then Stuff Your Doctor Should Know came from the things that really helped me were things that doctors had no idea about. I would go in and say, what do you think if I try this? Or what do you think about that? And they would say, don't, no, that's weird, no. And, or they'd never heard of it. And so I thought, you know, some doctors should know these things because they could be helpful. So that's where Stuff Your Doctor Should Know came from. Yeah, such an amazing podcast. And yes, yeah, Stuff Your Doctor Should Know, they should. And 
for example, I just went and met my medication oncologist yesterday afternoon, and they're just pushing drugs, drugs, drugs. And I said, well, how much is this going to actually drop the chance that cancer is going to come back? You know, it's a, it's a few percentage points. And I thought, okay, well, I've got a lot to think about. Do I really want to put myself through more trauma for a small percentage? And that doesn't work like that for every woman. But in my case, you know, information is power. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, pr- drugs are, thank God we have drugs because they certainly saved my life as a child. And so, you know, I, I, there's a time and a place for sure, but there's so much attention and focus we can put towards prevention and towards that doesn't have anything to do with medications. And that I, I just want to see a marriage of the two, you know, just like really, a, instead of a war between the two, I want to see like a really nice marriage. Yeah, I think I like that. A really nice marriage between the two because they each bring something to the table. And that brings me to my first question, and it's a bit of a loaded question, but do you have a theory on why people get cancer? Um, Wow. Yeah, that is definitely a great question. And I do. I always say, I used to lecture a lot before pre-COVID, and I would always say, I would start some of the lectures by saying, if you die before the age of 85 from anything other than a tragic accident, it is related to poor digestion. People always they think and then they go, well, wait a minute, I've I have cholesterol, high cholesterol runs in my family, and breast cancer runs in my family. And so that I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But when you really start to break it down, we when you think about what the whole purpose is of eating, consuming, ab- absorbing, digest, digest digestion, I say that every day, all day. <laughs> and um, you know, when you think about what that is. So, you, you know, just briefly, we eat something, the, the digestion process begins when we look at that food or that thing and we eat it, we chew it, we masticate it, we break it down a lot as much as possible. Hopefully, if you're a nice, slow eater and you chew thoroughly, so important, it gets down into the stomach and it gets sterilized and disinfected in the stomach and and in that acid bath gets broken down into like a soft serve and then that soft serve goes into the small intestine and then all these microbes and digestive enzymes start to really break it down and take out all the nutrition and in that process right there all these uh, uh, minerals these nutrients are getting absorbed and macronutrients micronutrients and all of that is ultimately energy for the body. And then what does that do? That keeps your cells healthy, that boosts your immunity, that keeps your brain working. And so much happens because of that process right there. And then it's not over yet. You have to eliminate the waste matter and absorb the water from that food in the bowel. If any of that is sluggish or slows down, that all begins in the gut. You know, and I, I have this friend who is a mineral, he's, a, you know, he's, it's all about the minerals. He tells me he's the root cause protocol man, uh, Morley Robbins. And he's like, it's all about minerals. It's all about minerals. And I say, well, how do you absorb the minerals? You know, yeah. Okay. You're low in magnesium and you're, you know, low in this and high in that. Well, how do you balance that if you're not digesting your food? So really, I think when it comes to cancer and other diseases, it's it's what's going on at the gut, what happened at the gut, and how can we remediate the gut, and even genetic predispositions. Even if you're genetically predisposed to cancer, that has to be flipped on. That has to be triggered. That has to... Just because I'm gifted at my genes at playing the piano, that doesn't mean I'm going to be you know, a, a, a pianist. 
I have to trigger that lifestyle. I've got to trigger that talent, that skill. And so we do that with what? Digestion and lifestyle. So that's, I think that's a huge component. It's a huge component. And, you know, looking at the typical American diet and the way people eat, you know, so fast, literally inhaling their meals, you don't mix the food with saliva. And really, you know, I'll tell my clients, chew almost to the consistency of like an applesauce. You know, you really need to chew to to start that process. Very few of us eat that way. We're in such a hurry. Yeah. In such a hurry. And that hurry is also has you in that sympathetic nervous system where that's that fight or flight. So already your digestion is impaired. It's put on the back burner because your mind is so worried and so over you know, consumed with all these other things you need doing. And so you're in fight or flight. And so you're you know, you're not chewing, it's impaired for sure. And I think it starts even as a child, you know, how you, the state of mind you're in when you're consuming your food, what you're eating, how you're eating it, the quality of it, all that stuff matters so much. Mm -hmm. So then that leads me to another question. Um, we really have an epidemic of fear right now in our culture. How does fear or having really intense emotions, how does that impact digestion? Just exactly. You nailed it a second ago with, you know, we're so busy doing other things and some of those other things are worrying. Um, so, so being consumed with fear, fight or flight. And so now you're not in parasympathetic. And when you're in the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, there's all these functions, right? There's your, your breathing is, is calm, your mind, you're handling things with care. How, how many people can say that? I know that I have to actively pursue calming myself because otherwise, I, if I'm not living in the future, I'm living in the past. And if, and if I'm living in the present, I'm worried about the present. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard the analogy of the saber-toothed tiger and the whole concept of back, you know, when uh, humans were first uh, on this planet and what fight or flight did for us. It kept us in this ability to um, act quickly for our bodies to, you know, use the part of our brain that helps us make quick decisions and move rapidly and run, right? And run from the saber-toothed tiger. And so same thing with us, like, you know, we have um, that same part of our brain keeps us, okay, looking at that ticker tape on the news that shows how many infections today. And there goes your immune system and your ability to digest right there. You're compromised your ability. So fear is all that. It's all worry and it's, um, it gets you nowhere, right? Yeah, it really, it really, it really robs you of health. It really does. I mean, what percentage of our immune system is actually in our gut? Oh, wow. So uh, it's debatable, but anywhere between uh, 80 and 90% of it is governed by our gut. It's like our, our, the microbes in our gut. Not one metabolic decision happens in the body without you know, the help of our microbes. So yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous amount. It's shocking amount. That's why I say to everyone, if it's hormones, if it's cancer, if it's um, toe fungus, I don't know what it, whatever it is, it will never hurt you to go back down to the basics and say, what am I eating? How am I digesting it? 
and I'm not, that's not it, but that's definitely like a fundamental place to start from. Right. I mean, that's the foundation of this house that you're building is that, okay, slow down how quickly you're eating, maybe to make some different choices in what you're eating. And, you know, one of the things that I've been doing lately, um, especially post-cancer, is really making sure that I'm in that parasympathetic when I'm eating. And so, and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not watching the news while I'm eating. I'm not on my phone. Um, if I just have a, you know, I get a bad email or a tiff with my husband, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do some things to try to calm down before I put food into my body. And I don't think most people probably do that. Let me tell you how quickly you will come out of the sympathetic nervous system. And it's a proven fact, you know, just box breathing for three minutes can take you right out of the fight or flight, just controlling your breath and add to that, that you're enjoying yourself and you're, you know, even if you have to fake it till you make it first, just tell yourself this is fun, you know? And you start to put the attention on anything worth doing is worth doing well. And that will start to shift your intention. And I think that that matters. It really does. There's a lot of research that shows about the microbiome. People are in a state of fear and panic and upset and worry. What that does to the, to the communication between all the microbes, the microbes in your ears and your eyes and the microbes in your bowel and your rectum and your toenails, they all speak to each other in this chemical language. And they speak, and if it's if it's dis if there's disharmony or disease, right? If there's disharmony, you know, it's going to affect you entirely, your whole body and your weak link. I always say that weak link will give. And for you, it's maybe cancer. For me, it's maybe you know dementia as I'm aging, or maybe it's migraines. Like everyone is different, but that link will give. Okay, so such amazing information, and I understand the broken link. What can we do to bring that link back together? And my my follow-up to that is, it sounds like it could take a long time to fix. You know, the same way it took a long time to get in that state, uh, the good news is I don't think it would take as much time. Like we have to think of our lifetime. When we finally are manifesting illness, a lot has gone on in our bodies. A lot of disease, a lot of imbalance has gone on. A lot of dominoes have fallen. Dominoes we may not have ever even noticed. It won't take as much time as it took you to get in that state. When you have a plan and you take little tiny steps, instead of looking at Mount Everest as the, I got to get to the top, right? You look at this as a process. You know, I'm going to start with my gut health and I'm going to commit to, I don't know, taking digestive enzymes every single meal. That's my goal for this week. And all of a sudden you look back on six months and you're like, I took digestive enzymes every day for six months and I go to the bathroom twice a day instead of twice a week now. Or you start to see these things happening and it seems like a long time when you're going through it, but you look back and your consistently pays off in spades. So I say, what do you do? You go back to basics. I don't care how far in your journey you may be, you may be doing Reiki and you may be doing energy healing and all kinds of amazing things. You will never not need to go back to basics when it comes to healing the body. And so gut health, gut health, gut health. Gut health. And, and throughout my entire cancer treatment and before cancer, I, had, I was diagnosed with GERD and Barrett's esophagus. So clearly 
I have some issues of inflammation going on in my body. And I went from doctor to doctor, gastroenterologist. I've had endoscopies. I've had it all. And not one of them talked to me about gut health. Wow. What a shame. Um, I do have a, a, a my GP. He's wonderful. And when, when I met him, he was like, you need to come and do classes at my office. So I was doing these classes once a month and speaking to his patients about you know, that, that PPI drugs and, and acid uh, reducers, they're not meant to be on them for your life. Right, you know, you have right. to, yeah, they're, they're temporary drugs and the doctors don't tell you that. And they are, they know that, and they know that, and they're meant to be temporary to get relief so that you can find ways to fix the problem. And when it comes to GERD, there are many problems there that need to be addressed. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fascinating. So again, your podcast, Stuff Your Doctor Should Know, and they don't. You have to be your own advocate, but that can also be challenging because many people just don't speak up. And it's amazing that some of the doctors just didn't have answers for me. Why would you do radiation on this type of cancer and not that type of cancer? And I didn't always get great answers. So it just goes to show you, if I don't want cancer to come back, I need, I need to do some due diligence here. Yeah. And, you know, I know that, that you know this and that you, you believe this as well, which is that, you know, I'm not here to demonize the medical profession at all. Um, but, and, and they have, you know, they have a very compartmentalized way of education and how they came to where they came to. And so, you know, it's very compartmentalized. My husband always says, you know, if you go to, if you go to a barber, you're going to get a haircut. You know, if you go to a surgeon, you're going to have surgery. You know, they're not going to be like, have you ever thought about, um, you know, uh, Ayurvedic medicine? You know, they're going to say like, this is my, this is what I do. I take gallbladders out for a living and, and that's what I'm going to do for you if you're having gallbladder problem. Um, and you don't, oh, you've got this. Okay. Well, I'm going to send you there then. And so we have to understand that. And, you know, we have this wonderful, we have, I mean, it's being demonized now, but you know, YouTube and, and alternative practitioners and all these people at our, at our fingertips now to be able to go dive deep and find what resonates with you in terms of healing and prevention and, um, and just uh, boosting immunity. And, you know, we have so much at our fingertips now, and there's really no excuse now for us to not just take that diet, you know, that deep dive. That is really true. And I just encourage anybody who's battling any type of disease Take somebody with you who is going to listen for you, which is hard during COVID. My husband was able to go to almost all of my appointments until the very end. I'm going to go back to something you mentioned at the beginning, the marriage of alternative health with traditional medicine, and it can be a really beautiful marriage. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Well, in this season of so much misinformation, how do people find out the truth about alternative medicine? Where do they go? Well, I think that, you know, we ha I wish it wasn't called alternative medicine. I wish it was called traditional medicine because there's nothing alternative about, you know, boosting your immunity and natural immunity and um, eating food that doesn't have toxins in it and eating homemade. This is traditional. This is like nourishing traditions, like the book Nourishing Traditions by the Weston Price concept of the old values. It's like you said before, knowledge is power. So educating yourself on these things. And I think when you're calm and you're reading through this stuff, I really, you know, I, I'm always praying, praying about or saying a little meditation about, um, you know, I want this, I want whatever information 
that is meant for me to see, to, to resonate with me. I want to be able to resonate with the information that comes across me. You know, there's so much out there. And I feel, I really believe this, that intrinsically, like in our bodies, we have, you know, the microbes in us are, they're magical. And they, they know when something is right for them and when something is not right. And we could do a whole podcast, and I know you've heard me talk about this. It's truly magical. It's science-based. It's factual. These microbes want you to do things. The good, the good guys and the bad guys, but the good microbes want you to seek out things that help them thrive. All these things are senses that we have, and I, I really believe that can be cultivated. Um, ironically, the word cultivated comes from the word culture, culture, meaning like a diverse microbiome and all the cultures that are in there. It's like, it's, it's a beautiful concept and philosophy. I think people could dive in there and then things start to resonate. You look at something, that's, that's not going to work for me. That sounds good for me. That sounds right. That sounds, you know. Yeah. And I actually do the same thing. You'd mentioned about how you read something and you, you pray about it. I always prayed about it and got to a place as best I could. And if I had a stronger immune system, perhaps I wouldn't have gotten the GERD, Barrett's esophagus, and then breast cancer all within 18 months. These were all diagnosed. So, and you've probably answered this, but I'd like to just pose it again and maybe you can give us your top three things. What can I do or what can anybody do if they don't ever want to get cancer? Well, I think getting really familiar with the digestion process, definitely top one thing is learning that process. You don't have to take an anatomy class or anything, but you know, look, check out my books, find other gut health, uh, gut centric people and learn about that process. And how can I support that process? It's called upregulating healthy digestion. What can I do? What foods are, are, are good for that? What foods am I eating that are harming that? What, what toxins am I exposing myself to that impede a healthy digestion? And just start to familiarize yourself with that. Learn about fermented foods, things that support healthy digestion. The second thing I would say is, I mean, beg, borrow, cheat, and steal, and find a way to manage your stress. Not get rid of it because it's impossible, but to manage your stress. Um, and that for me is my faith. And also, you know, I love audible. I love to just take my dog for a walk and disappear into fantasy land. A lot of times it's research and books and things, which can get me a little hyped up. So I really have a whole section of books that make me just disappear. And I like to do audible because I can walk my dog and get fresh air and get exercise. But that might be something different for other people. I also think sauna is amazing, but that's not one of the top three, but it is amazing. Truly, definitely one of the top five sweat, sweat therapies. The third one I would say is, you know, I have this thing called the toxic bucket analogy. I think everyone has used this and I've been using it for 10, 15 years easily. And it's um, just that we all have a bucket and it's filled with toxicity. The same size bucket you had when you were born is the same size bucket you have now. You know, it just gets filled up, filled up, and everything toxic is in there, including stress and external toxicity like pollution and then internal stuff and, you know, bad food and everything is in this bucket. And so mitigating what's in that bucket, look in that bucket and say, what's in this bucket? Okay, well, I should probably stop drinking, you know, alcohol every night. Or I should stop 
eating jiffy peanut butter and upgrade to a raw almond butter and eat that three times a week instead of every day. And you start to look at what could potentially be toxic and you start to try to chip away at it. Not just dump the bucket out, it's impossible, but you start to just reduce what's in that bucket. And that gives you a perspective on not taking on the whole thing at once. So that kind of, the second and the third one kind of go hand in hand a little bit, like managing your stress. I think that's important. Yeah. And again, this, uh, we've talked about this, you know, really crazy, unprecedented season that we're in for the last uh, year and a half. And stress is off the charts. And I don't see people managing stress any better than they were 18 months ago. So um, do you think we're going to see in the next year or two a lot of illness that possibly was germinated during this season? I'm already seeing it in my practice. It's uh, every day I get messages that are definitely, uh, you know, yes, I won't go into that completely, but it's definitely, I think it's good. And, and we don't, you know, this is the time, this is, I keep trying to refocus my mind into thinking things may never go back to normal and maybe that's okay. Maybe this is this massive awakening to returning to self-care, returning to prevention, returning to the times when we are responsible for our own health. You know, you don't just run out and get on a Z-pack because you can't get rid of your stuffy nose. You don't run out and get put on an antibiotic because you've had a urinary tract infection for two days. You know, we don't jump and we don't accept we don't go to the doctor and just have them willy-nilly put us on antibiotics. You know, when you say, wait a minute, do I have a virus or a bacterial infection? You took a culture, you didn't get the culture back and you're already giving me an antibiotic. Can you explain why? It could be a virus and here they are giving you an antibiotic, you know. So just becoming more aware of how to, of self-care and the taking responsibility of our health. That is probably the most hopeful statement I've I've heard in the last 18 months is that yes for those who are willing to take a a, a deeper dive into their self-care and maybe think okay well you know I don't have access to a doctor right now so I'm going to do a little bit of research and maybe having a little bit of fermented food might be really great for my gut I heard Sally Fallon Morell Weston A Price Foundation say that I think 2 tablespoons of a fermented food let's just say kimchi or sauerkraut is the equivalent of an entire bottle of probiotics. Fascinating information. You know, again, I loved your statement about self-care and it's a new season for all of us. Well, thank you, Kitty Martone. Oh my gosh, this was just such a pleasure to talk to you. And um, Kitty Martone, Healthy Gut Girl, her podcast, which I love, called Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. And you've got six years worth of podcasts that people can scroll through and get information about whatever seems to be ailing them and listen to it. I encourage you to listen to it before your next doctor visit. Yes, I think that's a great idea. And send me questions. I love how, I love when people send me questions and then I do podcasts about their questions and their ideas. And, um, and you know, I have a, a, a gift for your audience. Uh, if they go to healthygutgirl.com slash gift, and I have some goodies and places for them to start and some free stuff and some discounted stuff and all sorts for them to check out and sign on to my newsletter and all kinds of stuff. Thank you, Kitty. Again, such a pleasure. Thanks for coming on Why Did I Get Cancer? Thank you. 
It's not easy to find a good supplement company, but I feel like I found one. They're called Seeking Health, and it was started by somebody I really respect in the health industry, Dr. Ben Lynch. I love so many of their products, but probably one of my favorite ones is their liquid vitamin D supplement. Because I'll be honest, sometimes I just get supplement fatigue and I get sick of taking them. So liquid vitamins work for me. If you're looking for some great supplements, go to today's show notes. Use the code ENOSOCT, so my last name and OCT for October, for 10% off your next purchase. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening.